thing. And um, so we're going to John 15 tonight, today. And if you will, turn with me to John chapter 15. We're going to read the first eight verses. And uh, we may not get it all done today, but uh, we'll, we'll start. Uh, so would you stand with me as we read John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that through the word, we are cleansed because your word brings us to know you and your word brings us to clean, be cleansed of our sin. I pray that you would help us today to understand the great truth that Jesus taught here when he said, I am the true vine, that we might Understand that it is only through him that we can have life, that we can have salvation, that we can have hope and peace and joy and love and all of the other great things that you promised us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for our Savior. For it's in his name that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. This passage that we've just read, as we know, occurs the night before Jesus, the, the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, following the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, as we call it. And um, it was also on the night before Jesus was crucified. Jesus knew that this was his last opportunity to teach the disciples before his death. And uh, so we would naturally conclude that on that occasion, the last teaching that he would give them, it would be a teaching of vital importance. And uh, 
Although Jesus speaks about several things here, the true vine, the vine dresser, the branches, the fruit bearing, the taking away, and the burning of unfruitful branches, there is one main truth that Jesus teaches here. Abide in Christ so that you may bear fruit abundantly. Abide in Christ. And Jesus, on this last night with his disciples, wanted to select an illustration, a metaphor, to teach his disciples that would best describe the relationship between himself and his disciples. And that means you and me today. He chose the grapevine because, number one, it was one of the most common crops grown in Israel. Therefore, his disciples could under, easily understand the teaching that he was giving them. Two, the relationship between God and Israel in the Old Testament had been described by the illustration of the grapevine. It was the national symbol of Israel. It had been used on Jewish coins. And there was a huge grapevine with clusters of grapes that was carved in solid gold in the front of the holy place in the temple of Jesus' day. It best described the spiritual union between Christ and his disciples. So it is fitting that we use this scripture today to describe and talk about this great union, this great relationship that we are blessed to have with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, briefly, we've been talking about Jesus, the great I am. Today, I am the true vine. It goes back to Moses' encounter at the burning bush with God, who was Jehovah. And uh, as he received the name of God, I am. And then we go forward to the New Testament and we discover that Jesus, through the Gospel of John, repeatedly used that same statement, the holy, sacred name of I am in his relationship with the Jewish people and with his disciples. And so we come today to this one statement, I am the true vine. Yahweh, Jehovah, God, creator. If we go back to John chapter 1, I, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, all things were made by him and nothing was made that was made except through him. And in him was life, and the life is the light of men. And so what John wanted us to understand was that Jesus Christ is that vital link between us and God, between us and our creator. And so we start out today 
Point number one, the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. In the Old Testament, as I've said, Israel was pictured as a vine planted by God. He made a covenant with Israel, but they did not abide by the covenant. And so the vine that God had planted, Israel, produced wild grapes that were useless and worthless for food and for other things. Many scriptures teach this truth about Israel being a vine planted by God. One particular one that I'll read is Isaiah chapter 55. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. says, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. Dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst. And also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes. But it brought forth wild grapes. And that was the problem with Israel. God's chosen people. God's covenant people. And yet they were the vine planted by God. And they only produced wild sour grapes. God wanted through Israel to establish a unique relationship with him so that they could glorify him and produce the fruits of righteousness before the world. But Israel failed miserably. Nothing but wild grapes. Nothing but the fruits of sin and rebellion and breaking of the covenant that God had made with them. And so God planted another vine. As time passed, God sent his son, his only begotten son, into the world. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was the vine that God planted, the second vine, the second chance that God was giving to this world that through his only begotten son, second person of the Holy Trinity, creator of the heavens and the earth, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, was born as a baby in the manger in Bethlehem to become that vine, that link, that relationship connector between God and man. In the Greek sentence construction of this first verse, it literally says, I am... The vine, the true 
I am the vine, the true. The emphasis is not just on true as opposed to false, but it points out that Jesus is the one, the only way that we have to be restored to fellowship with God. This is something that the New Testament particularly emphasizes over and over again. Some of my favorite verses, one is 1 Timothy 2, 5. There is one God and one mediator, one go-between, one bridge, one connector between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. That's why Jesus died on the cross. So that he could establish that connection that we can have with God. That we can have a relationship with God. That we can be the children of God. And be a part of his family. Acts 4.12 Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name, no other way, no other route, no other place except through Jesus. Jesus meant you think that you belong to the nation of Israel because you are a branch in the true vine of God. You think that just because you are a Jew and a member by birth of the chosen people, you are a branch in the vine of God. But it is not the nation who is the true vine. The nation is a degenerate vine. All the prophets told you this. And Jesus was saying, it is I who am the true vine. Not the fact that you are a Jew which will save you. It's the only thing that can save you is to have an intimate living union, relationship, connection with me, for I am the vine of God, and you must be branches joined to me. This same thing applied not to the Jews, but to all men. Because you see, the grace of God was making it possible for his grace, which had originally been channeled through the Jews, now through his son Jesus Christ who died on the cross for all men, that the grace of God could be spread out to all the world through his church and through the commission that was given to the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is God's plan. That is God's purpose. Now, there are many who claim to be vines of God. And I'll not take a lot of time to do elaborate on who those others are. But no other vine, whether it's a church, whether it's a ritual, whether it's a person, a pope, a preacher who stands in the pulpit, no matter who it is, 
No other vine can give the life and relationship to men. No other person, religion, or source can give us that connection with God. Jesus came into the world to be the true vine. He had the life of God in him because he was God. Through his death and resurrection, he made the life of God available to all men. Through faith in him, the sinful, lifeless branches of our lives can be united to God and produce the fruit of holiness. 2 Corinthians 5 21 says, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, the Bible says clearly, there is none righteous, no, not one. But through Jesus, he made him to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so today, Sinner though I am, unworthy though I am, I can stand before God righteous because he sees me through the blood of his son Jesus Christ. And I stand before him as righteous, as holy, as clean because of his son. And then there is the heavenly vine dresser. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. That simply means that God is the owner. Both the vine and the branches belong to God. Jesus, the true vine, belonged to the father. Jesus said many times that he was sent by the Father. I think something like 40 times in the Gospel of John, he uses this phrase, this idea that he was sent to this world by the Father. His one great desire was to do the will of the Father. The night of his betrayal, as he was praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but thine be done. Therefore, God the Father is the owner of the vine. It was his plan to send his son into the world to be the true vine, to reconcile the world to himself. And uh, I could quote many scriptures. One that comes to mind, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 25 whom God set forth as a propitiation. And uh, in the center reference of my Bible, it says that word propitiation is mercy seat. And it goes, takes me back to Leviticus chapter 16, verse 15, I think it is, uh, that speaks about the fact that the pre high priest, when he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would take the blood of the lamb or the goat, whatever it was, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat there. And it was through that that the wrath of God, and that's what the word propitiation means. It means the turning away of the wrath of God. And so today, you and I can stand before God cleansed and uncondemned and righteous because the blood of Jesus Christ has turned away the wrath of God.
Now, there are a lot of people who don't like to think about God as a God of wrath because they don't read the Bible. Sin is something that God cannot abide. And if sin is in our life, if we are a sinner that is unatoned for, uncleansed, then the wrath of God will be upon us. So every one of us need to know the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. And so God... Through his son, Jesus Christ, the heavenly vine dresser has made it possible for us to be joined to him, to be his children. The vine is more than a possession of the father. Christ is the eternal son of the father. And he has the same nature. And essence as the Father. Therefore we can say that the very life and nature of God came to earth in order to reunite us with the Father. That was the whole purpose of Jesus coming into the world. The whole purpose of Jesus living among us as a perfect human being. It was the whole purpose of Jesus finally dying on that cross of Calvary, bearing our sins in his own body on the tree, that through him, through faith in him, we can be born again. We can become the children of God. We can have that relationship with God established. God is the vine dresser. Even as Jesus is the true vine, we are the branches, and the Heavenly Father is the vine dresser. What does that mean? Well, the duties of the vine dresser, an earthly vine dresser, would prepare the soil, plant the vine, fertilize, prune, protect from insects and disease, and harvest the fruit. The Heavenly Vine Dresser, God, our Heavenly Father, not only sent the Son into the world, but is actively seeking to unite us with the true vine, Jesus Christ. He does this through his church, through the preaching of the word, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, and through his providence that is working out in our lives every day. Sometimes we can't understand why things happen the way they do, but because there is a heavenly vine dresser, who is in control of all things, who is guiding the affairs and the events of all things because he is infinite and he is in control of my life, your life, and, and the life of every person in this universe. And um, so I pray that God would help all of us to be joined through Christ. Christ, the heavenly vine, the true vine. 
those who have already been united by faith to the true vine, God's purpose for them is to bear fruit. But many Christians are carnal, worldly. They do not bear fruit. And this grieves the heart of God. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 spoke about that kind of Christian. That the things that he wanted to do, that he would like to do, to live for God, to serve him, to bear fruit, he couldn't do it. He wasn't doing it because he was a sinner, he was carnal. And uh, that is the sad fact. But union with Christ is the central foundational doctrine of the Bible. And uh, each and every single one of us need to examine our hearts and lives to see if am I joined to Christ? Have I believed in him? Have I received him as my personal savior? Lewis Smeads in his book, Union with Christ, says, Union with Jesus Christ is at once the center and circumference of authentic human existence. John Murray, in his book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied, says, Union with Christ is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. And A.W. Pink, in his book, Spiritual Union and Communion, says, The subject of spiritual union is the most important, the most profound, and yet the most blessed of any that is set forth in the sacred scriptures. And yet, sad to say, there is hardly any which is now more generally neglected. In other words, we, need to, we are joined to Christ. And we need to work on that relationship with Christ so that his life can flow into us daily as his word comes into our hearts and our minds and that we can produce fruit that will give honor and glory to him. We've learned that Jesus is the true vine sent from God. We've learned that the Heavenly Father is the vine dresser. All men must be joined to him in order to receive life from God. Since the Father is the heavenly vine dresser who sent Jesus, the true vine, into the world, the plan of eternal salvation is his. He is actively working to bring about salvation of all men. And he's also working, actively working in the branches to cause them to bear fruit. And uh, you today, myself, each one of us, if we're saved by the grace of God, we are one of those branches joined to the true vine who is Jesus. And God, the heavenly vine dresser's primary purpose in your life is for you to bear fruit. Now, there's um, a 
I'm trying to decide if I, if I want to keep preaching or save the rest till next Sunday. Okay, let, let's go to verse 2. What is meant by taking away the fruitless branches? Um, this is one of the uh, problems or controversies of this chapter. Let me read verse 2 again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And so uh, the problem is, the question is, does this mean that a Christian who has believed in Jesus, who has been saved by the grace of God, and who is one of those branches in the true vine, but the scripture says here, he takes it away. Does that mean Christians can lose their salvation? I'm not seeing any reaction on anybody's face. There are many scriptures that teach what we call the eternal security of the believer. Last week, we used John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, where Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. Now, what is eternal? Eternal is unending. It's when I believe in Jesus right now, I have received eternal life. I give unto them eternal life, and no man shall pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them or snatch them out of my Father's hand. And so that is the truth that the Bible teaches. The Bible does not contradict itself. And uh, so, as I said, there are people who use this scripture to teach that people can lose their salvation. Um but let me give you what I believe, and, and I don't understand why Bible translators made such a grievous error. And I, and I, I, I don't have any right to say that because I'm not a, a scholar. But quite a few years ago, over in Taiwan, at the summer Taiwan Missionary Fellowship Conference on the campus of Morrison Academy where our children went to school. The speaker, the special speaker that they had invited that year was Dr. Dwight Pentecost, who was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. And uh, Dr. Pentecost preached a series at that conference on the I am sayings of Jesus. And one of the things that he said that really stuck in my mind was going to verse 2 again, where it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, in the... Um, 
New American Standard, New Testament, Greek lexicon. Here is the definition of the Greek word there. It's the Greek word iro. And the Greek lexicon says, number, first meaning of iro is to raise up, to elevate, to lift up. It means to raise from the ground, to take up. It means to raise upwards, to elevate, to lift up, as in lifting up the hand. Second meaning, to take upon oneself and carry what has been raised up to bear. And third meaning, to bear away what has been raised to carry off. And so Dr. Pentecost told us that in Palestine they would let the branches of the grapevine run along the ground. But when it came time to bear fruit, as long as it was on the ground, it could not bear good fruit. And so they would use forked sticks to place underneath the vines to raise them up off the ground. And uh, that would put the branches in a position so that they could produce good fruit. And so I believe that that is what is the Bible is teaching it rather than to take away and uh, it is teaching us that God in his providence and in his working every day of our lives, he is working to put us in a place where we can bear fruit. If we are sinful, if we are rebellious, if we are not doing the will of God, we're not following the teaching of God God will work in our lives to bring about our conformity to his purpose and his will so that we can be in a position to bear fruit. And I pray that God will help each and every one of us that we might be willing to be submissive to our heavenly fine dresser as he works in our lives to move us, to motivate us, to guide us, to direct us to bear fruit. May God help us as Brother Dennis comes to lead us in our hymn of invitation.